Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. I invite you to stand as you are able as we hear these words from the Gospel of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you pray with me?
Lord, after a long, dark night. The sun rose this morning, and as it's burning high in the sky, we are reminded that you are still our God, that you have never abandoned us, that you love us tremendously. And so as we have come together in this house, in this hour of worship, whether physically here in this space or gathered around screens across the globe, our spirits unite. They yearn to hear the good news. They yearn to see and to hear what you would have for us today. So through the prayers, through the creeds, through the offering, through the music, through the read and spoken word, May your spirit fill our hearts till they run over and that we come away from the empty tomb and go out into the world and tell everyone what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we know in our hearts. All of this we ask in the name of your Son, our blessed Savior. Jesus the Christ. Amen. So a few years ago, I took a campus ministry group out to a farm outside of town where I was serving. And this was a farm where there had been a rock quarry at some point. And the farmer had figured out an extra way to bring in some other income. Rock quarries tend to fill with water. And he decided, you know, this would make a great venue spot for weddings, for proms, for fraternity parties, for groups to come out and just to go swimming. And so that's what we were doing. We were out there, just our group. And the great thing about this rock quarry was it had high stone walls and different ledges that you could climb up to. It had deep, 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 clear, cold water. And what I learned about taking this group out, there's just really four types of people in a scenario like this. There's a type that go... No, I'm just going to sit over here on the side and I'm going to read a book and work on my tan. And if I get too hot, I'll just slide into the water off the dock and climb back out. Then there are the Davids. David who climbs up to a ledge, he looks over the side, he backs up, he says, I'm going to count to three, one, two, and by the time he hits two, he's already midair, waiting to fall 20, 30 feet into the water before you hear the three just as he hits the water. Then there are the Steves who climbed up with David and stood there on the edge as David looked and you could see the mental math happening. You could see him calculating the angles, the distance to the water, how long he would be in the air. Should he do it? Should he not do it? Should he do it? Should he not do it? Watch him back up several deep breaths count fully to 10 before he took the first step. And then you weren't even sure if he was actually going to complete the task. But sure enough, leaped out into the air. And then there are the Lauras. Also climbed up with Steve and with David, stood there on the edge, watched the two of them, stood back, thought for a minute, And then she climbed higher up, 
all the way to the top, another 20 or 30 feet before she stood there on the ledge and then just leaped off to everyone's dismay. The bravest one to go the farthest up, to take that leap of faith, if you will, before she plunged into the water. Emerging with a giant grin on her face, pure satisfaction at the joy she had discovered. Taking that leap. Chances are, as I've told that story, you have figured out who you are. Whether you're going to sit on the shore and just work on your tan, or whether you're David or Steve or Laura, right? You know who you are. In today's text, as we begin to read this, we realize we read John's description of the resurrection of Jesus. His account of what happens. And as we read that, we begin to realize that there are really four types of people that we can encounter in this as well. There are the other disciples, the ones who were in the room, sort of hiding out from the world after what they had seen on Friday, not sure what to do next. Then there was Mary Magdalene, then there was Peter, and there's John. If we look at Peter and Mary and John, we realize that each of them approaches the tomb with an expectation of something. They approach the tomb with different ideas, different experiences, and so they come away with a different personal experience of finding the tomb empty. And so as we look at them, as we look at Peter and Mary and at John, we begin to maybe understand how we approach the empty tomb, how we arrive at it on this Easter and what we take away from our encounter when we see that the stone has been rolled to the side and that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And it really begins this idea of what we experience and how we understand Easter. And it reads this question for us is, how close do we dare come to the tomb? Are we Peter or are we Mary or are we John? See, if we start with Mary, for example, we read in John's Gospel, it just says that Mary goes to the tomb on the first day. It doesn't tell us why she goes. Maybe she's going out of curiosity. Maybe there's a sense of unfinished business. Maybe, just maybe, she is mourning and she goes to the tomb to be near Jesus she goes early on the first day. She's compelled by something. She gets up early to be the first one there, maybe before anyone else has the idea, or maybe she just wants to go alone. But she goes, and what she finds is not what she expects, is it? She finds that stone rolled to the side, and maybe in distress, she races back to the disciples. And what she says, they have taken him away, and I don't know where they've put him. Not what she was expecting. But when Peter and John go racing to the tomb upon hearing her words, what does she do? She falls right in behind them. But the Gospel of John is very intentional about pointing this out. That even though Peter goes straight in and John goes in eventually, we'll talk about them in a minute, even though that, what does Mary do? She hangs outside the tomb still. 
She remains out there still distraught, still not comprehending, still having doubts, still unsure about what all of this means. But notice this, and I think this is really important. When Peter and John come out of the tomb and they go to return to the other disciples, what does she do? She stays right there. She stays there with her grief, with her doubt, not understanding, looking for answers. What does this all mean for me? And as Susanna read in the rest of John's text, she finds answers. She looks in and she sees the two angels. She hears what they say to her. And then she turns around and there is Jesus right in front of her, first mistaken by her as the gardener. She has this conversation with him. And as she has this conversation, it becomes very personal. He calls her by name. He says, Mary. And she knows who he is by his voice. Teacher, she says. Then there is this explanation. I have been raised from the dead, but don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to my father. I have not ascended to your father. I'm not ascended to my God or your God, but that comes soon. But then he gives her a mission, a commission, if you will, an evangelical idea to go and tell my brothers, he says. In other words, tell them all of that I'm showing you because they've already left, Peter and John, but you need to tell them what's happening. And she is so convicted John records, the Gospel of John records that she is so convicted that she races back to the 12 and she says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the risen Lord. This is proof for us that Christ has been raised from the dead. So what do we glean from this? As we think about how close do we dare come to the tomb, if we approach it like Mary, do we come with expectant hearts do we come to see, hear, and receive something from God? Look at us. We have packed the house today. We're filling up the internet. Are we here expecting to hear something from God about the power of the resurrection? Are we like Mary, where we're willing to be patient? I mean, we live in an instant communication world now. Like I texted my daughter who was studying abroad, and I texted her this morning, Christ the Lord is risen, and... Happy Easter right back. Instant communication. But Mary has to linger at the tomb a little bit before she has that conversation. It reminds me of years and years ago when I had a friend at summer camp whose dad was in the Marines stationed overseas. They didn't have texting. They didn't have the internet. It wasn't invented yet. So the only way they could communicate was by phone, which was insanely expensive, or via the mail. Some of you remember those days where you would write a letter to a friend and it might take a two weeks before they would get it and then two weeks for them to write you back. Are we patient like Mary, coming with expectant hearts and willing to listen for God to speak to us? Are we like Mary in that we are not afraid to ask God questions so that we understand more? That's what she was doing. She was talking to the gardener. Please tell me where you've laid him. I don't understand. I don't understand. Are we willing to ask the questions? 
See, John and Peter seemed to understand, and that was why they raced back to the 12. But Mary stayed because she still had questions. She was still unsure. I think the beauty of that is it gives us permission to ask questions of God. I mean, God is so much bigger than we can imagine. So when we don't understand something and we ask God, God's okay with that. God's okay that we don't understand. God lets us ask the questions so that if we were willing to listen, God can explain the mysteries of the universe to us. The depth of his love for us. But then when she gets her questions answered, what happens? Mary has this aha moment. This moment in which she realizes the full story. She's seen his ministry. She now understands it completely. And what does she do? She's had this religious experience, if you will. And she has to go and tell the 12. She just doesn't go and say, well, whatever Peter and John told you, let me tell you, I've seen the risen Lord. He lives. She sang that hymn we sang, Christ the Lord has risen today. Hallelujah. Do we dare go as close to the tomb as Mary did? Or if not, if we're not Mary, maybe we're more like Peter. You know, Peter was always the one that was quick to speak and act often without thinking. I mean, that's why Jesus told him, he said, the church is going to be built on you because of your zeal and your passion for getting it right, your love for me that just sometimes doesn't hold back. So it should be no surprise as we think of Peter that when Mary came and said, the tomb is empty, they've taken his body, the stone is rolled away, that Peter was out the door like a cannon shot. That he was racing to the tomb to see it for himself. But it says that there was another disciple that ran with him. Peter was racing like it was a sprint of a lifetime. This other disciple beat him there because he had a more paced run. But it says John, the other disciple, paused outside the tomb. But you remember when Peter comes in there breathless, what does he do? He doesn't stop. He doesn't pass go. He doesn't collect your knowledge. He goes straight on in. He doesn't miss a beat. He never looks back. He goes into the tomb and he looks around. And while he may not fully understand its significance, he recognizes that something big has happened. That this tomb being empty is not of earthly happenings. It is of divine nature. And so he leaves. He comes out of the tomb and he leaves. He goes back to the 12 to tell them what he saw. And he may not have fully comprehended it, but the depth of its significance... But that's Peter in a nutshell, isn't it? I mean, Peter's the one that just blurted out when Jesus said, who do the people say that I am? And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Christ. He doesn't fully understand what that means yet. And yet he knows the answer. When Jesus washes his feet, he says, not just my feet, but all of me, Lord. When Jesus says, one of you betray me, he says, I won't do it, Lord. When he goes to feed the people, Jesus feeds the people. Peter says there's not enough food, there's not enough money to feed all these. He states the obvious, so he sets it up so that we understand the miracle. He says to Jesus, call me out on the water so that I can be with you. The text doesn't say what Peter reported. 
But given just what I shared with you, he probably reported this. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty indeed. Something magnificent happened. God has done another miracle. Do we run to the tomb like Peter to see what God has provided and then we can't contain it so much that we go out into the world telling everyone what God has done for us in our lives? Even if we still don't fully understand it ourselves, we're just so excited. Or maybe we're like John. You know, the gospel writer says that when Mary went to speak to the 12, that Peter and the other disciple, the beloved disciple, we know that to be John, that they go out, that they run immediately. You know, as it says, Peter runs at a sprint's pace and gives out a gas. But John, who has always been steady, wins the race. John, who's always been the one that's right there with Jesus. That's why he's the beloved, because he's always trying to figure it out. He's always looking around, always studying it. John runs that fast but measured pace, and so he gets there first. But then in classic John, he pauses. Pauses at the entrance to the tomb. He's cautious. He's methodical. He's thinking, he's considering, he's weighing the facts. He wants to understand. He wants to get caught up in the moment, but this doesn't seem normal. A stone rolled away on a tomb, a tomb that is empty. He's gathering the data, and so he goes into the tomb, and in going in, he looks around. And like Peter, he sees all the things. But unlike Peter, he takes note that the burial cloths are rolled up, that they're folded neatly. This is not something, this is not grave robbing going on. This is something unearthly. He senses great meaning with the empty tomb. And so he leaves with Peter. Peter racing ahead to 1212. But I imagine that John is leaving so that he can fill in the details that Peter's going to leave out. I mean, is that us? Are the we the ones that come away from this religious experience, this news of the resurrection, that we have to see it for ourselves? We have to know it in our hearts. We have to ponder it so that we can explain what it means to us for the sake of the world. Because that's, in a sense, what John was doing. John wanted to tell the story so that the disciples would hear it and it would be told correctly. Wanted to get it right. Do we approach the empty tomb with a desire to know, with many questions that we want to hear answers to, and when we're satisfied, we then tell the world? So on a morning like this, the first morning of the week, the text says, they went to the tomb on a day just like this, went to the tomb and were surprised to find the stone rolled away that Jesus had been raised from the dead, the Lord risen indeed. We go to the tomb ourselves on this, the first day of the week, on this Easter Sunday. We gather here in this sanctuary. We gather online. We come to the tomb to celebrate the resurrection. And we come maybe like Mary with questions in our heart and understanding and the patience to listen and realize what it means for us. Or maybe we're like Peter. We're so excited to be here and so excited to hear the story that we want to run forth and tell all the world. 
Or maybe we're like John, we're a little more cautious. We've got to weigh it out to find the deep meaning for us. But my friends, I want you to notice that there's one thing that all three of them have in common. They all took the leap of faith. They were all swallowed up in the cool, crisp waters of the joy of God's love and the resurrection. They were all swallowed up in the empty tomb and the news of it. And what did they do with it? They all went forth and told the others. So you came here today. You've heard the familiar story read. We've sung about it. We've prayed about it. We've proclaimed it. We've offered about it. Let us not hold it here in this room. Let us be like Mary. Let us be like Peter. Let us be like John. Let us go forth from our experience of the empty tomb and let us share the news with all the world so that they too might come themselves as Peter or Mary or John and experience the joy of the resurrection. Christ the risen, Christ risen indeed. He lives, he lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.